0: Welcome to the You can do both podcast. This is Court.
1: This is Ashley and we're coming at you live from Boston with a long-awaited guest, Miss
0: <laughs> Jen DeAngelis. Hello, Hi. welcome to our show. Hi, it's thanks so for having, so having me. <laughs> today. I hope, I know for a fact everyone has seen your face on TikTok <laughs> or Instagram at some point and this has been so such a long time coming because I we discovered you as like a person. We knew of your brand before, but we discovered you from Shannon Fairweather, a friend of ours podcast that you went on probably like at over a year ago, probably yeah. almost two years ago at this point. And we learned of not just your brand, but your story. And you're just such an inspirational female founder in our city. So we're so grateful to have you on today. Oh, I'm
2: so excited to be here because we have such a fun history that I'm sure we'll get into. <laughs> yes, yes. And yeah, no, it just seems like such a natural fit.
0: So I was so excited to get the invite. <laughs> Yay. And. You better be watching this episode, because we're rocking some fire fits,
1: right? Really (laughs) iconic.
0: Jen and I are matching totally unintentionally.
2: (laughs) We're both wearing the color PB&J. It was so funny. We, like, rock up, and I look at you, I'm like, of course we're matching.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Actually, though, um, and I literally rock 1987 and a a lot of our content, (laughs) and a lot of our podcast episodes, (laughs) like, randomly tagged. So it just makes so much sense that we have you on. Absolutely. Should we hop in? Yeah,
1: I kind of want you guys to give a background on how you guys know each other. Yeah. Totally.
0: So I discovered. So you were from- a stalker. No, I was. I be. am a stalker. That's exactly what I am. But honestly, that's a part of my job. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, y'all know I work for Vista. I I run an ambassador program there, and I was on the hunt for some Boston-based business owners that had really amazing social presences that were doing cool things, building community, and. I reached out to you over Instagram DM. I slid <laughs> in the DM. I was like, I have I have things to offer yeah. you. I can help you out with your marketing and design. Yeah. And I don't know why. I just didn't expect you to answer. <laughs> like I just felt like you were you were up there. Like she's never gonna see my DM. But no, you're yeah. the best on Instagram and TikTok. You're so engaged with your community. Uh-huh. And then we hopped on a call. I invited you to be in the ambassador program. And we've been working together for over a year now. Yeah, I think right? like you're year, year in change, probably.
2: Yeah. That's so crazy. You know, I think one of our best memories is when Vista offered me uh, courtside <laughs> tickets to the Celtics <laughs> playoffs last year. And I look at Courtney and I'm like, well, you're coming with me, right? And you're like, um, let me check to see if I can.
0: <laughs> literally, <laughs> yeah. thanks to Jen, we sat course it was
2: Like, I just remember looking across, well, first of all, I'm not, like, the biggest sports person, so I kind of felt like neither be- of us are. <laughs> we were like, you we
0: should not be here yeah. right now. was like, I
2: feel, like, very undeserving of this opportunity, but uh, it was so fun to, like, be on the court, and it's crazy, like, how tall they are, and how, like, I don't know, I'm saying all the basic stuff, yeah. but it was really fun, but I remember looking, like, right across from us, and there was a couple just, like, literally dripping in diamonds. Do you remember that? <laughs> I was like I, I don't know. Like they probably were insured at that point. I was just like, whoa! Like this is next level. Like people have paid so much to be sitting here. Right. Right. I don't know. But this has been such like a phenomenal partner. But of course, our relationship has just like grown, and you've been such a support of everything that we've been doing. And now it's really fun to support like your endeavors because I think like one of the things I'm really passionate about is like being a role model and inspiring other women to go off and start their own companies and there's this idea of an expander, so it's seeing someone that is similar to you, right? So maybe they're the similar demographic, or they came from the same area, same age, and they're doing something you want to do, and finding an expander allows your subconscious to believe that it's possible. So it's a really important part of manifestation. Of course, I have my own expanders, but I think that's a really important part, is just to show, like, hey, I'm a normal girl who had a dream who went after it, and you can too. So it's just an honor to be here and watch you kind of grow your own network and your own uh, foundation, and it's really fun. And we haven't had as much time together, but it's been so nice to just meet you. You have such great, like... Yeah, open no, energy know you
1: guys friendship and relationship yeah. like i hear all the details, i <laughs> yeah. feel like i know you yeah. because of right course <laughs> yeah. so we're always like what's janna up to like, <laughs> we have this event coming up like yeah. all the things so yeah. it's very surreal to meet you in person mm, totally. yeah.
2: Yeah. but same thing I, i'll watch your content so it's <laughs> when you feel like you know someone but you haven't officially met
1: type of thing right yeah.
0: it's yeah. so wild how how well you feel like you can know someone just from watching the content. Yeah. And I actually, I met someone this past week, the founder of Outdoor Voices. I don't oh, know if you know Ty Haney, if you've ever heard well, of her. Well, we're both
2: from Boulder, Colorado, and we both went to the same high school. And so what? I don't know
0: her personally, but I we
2: have friends in common, basically. Oh, my wow. God. Yeah. And
1: well, Boston-based Bra- brand. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. I
0: know. It's so, so wild. I, I think I'm getting that right. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, no. Yeah. I think that is her okay. story, too. But... The point of me sharing this is I have looked up to her in an entrepreneur, in the entrepreneur oh my God entrepreneurial <laughs> space for a very long time and so I follow her on Instagram, I listen to her podcast whenever she's featured on something and she was the exact same in person and it's like it's so wild. Yeah. like how many strangers could feel like they know you. <laughs> But I'm just so happy this is coming full circle. This has been a long time coming. Ash reminded me earlier, the second we decided that we wanted to really hone in on a Boston community, the first person I thought of was like, we need to have Jen D'Angelo's on as a guest. So full circle moment. Um, and I was smiling ear to ear when you were saying that because I feel the exact same about you. Like you. We've had calls before and I'm like, feel like I need a mentor in this space. And I'm like, wait, you're practically my mentor without even (laughs) saying
2: anything. We like mentor each other. Yeah, exactly,
0: exactly. Well, that was a great, that was a great little intro to what we're going to be getting into today. And I'm already inspired. So (laughs) let's kick it off. All
1: right. For those that live under a rock and don't know you or 1987, can we get a little bit of a background? Yeah.
2: So the elevator pitch on 1987 is that we're 100% limited edition loungewear, which basically means we only release every style in each color once, and then it never comes back. So it's very much like you shop it or you lose it. That whole scarcity FOMO, think about like Supreme, Hermes, Birkin Bags. That's a huge reason why we do sell out so quickly is the scarcity model. But the heart of the brand and the DNA is really Boston-based, Boston-inspired, so a lot of Our uh, vernacular surrounding the brand is like the Back Bay set, which I'm wearing now, and that's inspired by the Back Bay neighborhood here in Boston, which is very brownstones, oat milk latte, shopping, Newberry Street. Um, So every set has their own personality that's essentially based off of a neighborhood. And a lot of our colors are based off of things that people say, for instance, like a good one, I'm trying oh, milk latte. Yeah, oat oh, milk one? latte. <laughs> <laughs> but also, oh, Wicked Good, things like that, that are very Boston centric. So that's been a huge part of the brand. And 100% Boston's the reason that we sort of took off. And where most people first saw us was at the height of 2020. I saw this huge opportunity in loungewear because everyone went from you know, working and living outside to really being indoors, and so there was an explosion and a need and want for loungewear, and where I saw the biggest gap in loungewear was that it wasn't for the female gaze, and it was cozy but not cool, and not really designed for a female body, so it wasn't tailored, it wasn't tapered, it wasn't really doing anything for you, um, so that's where I saw, like, the market opportunity. So. For those who don't know, Lounger is about a $20 billion industry, and it's growing at like 7 or 8% annually. So I think a lot of times when people think about an industry as a whole, and they think, well, there's so much competition, like I can't make a name for myself, there's always opportunities within a certain segment of the market. So I think looking for that while clothing and direct-to-consumer is really saturated, there are different segmentations or verticals that aren't. So um I can kind of go back into like my bio and a little bit more. Okay, so grew up in Boulder, Colorado, went to UCLA undergrad, went to the Peace Corps, and wanted to save the world. I think
0: No, I I was missing (laughs) that detail.
2: (laughs) You know, I think the North Star of my life has always been to be a role model and to make a difference, and I've just auditioned different pathways on how to do that, right? So, I didn't know how I was going to make an impact. So, at that time in my life, I was thinking, okay, I'm going to do grassroots, and I'm going to Albania, and I'm going to change the world. And the truth of the matter is that I probably changed a lot, but I don't really know how much of a standing impact I had, but some really wonderful moments of teaching English and working in the healthcare system and... Uh, I have a dance background, so I would teach dance classes on the weekends.
1: That's so cute. Um,
2: So that was, you know, one chapter, and then I came back and I had a internship for Tom's, which was really at the height of Tom's, and so that was a really like prestigious internship, basically at that time. And I learned so much about different ways to look at how to give back, because that was a hybrid model where you are buying something, but you're also giving something. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was really cool. And I came in really on the social media side of things. And from there, I found my niche in social media. And I worked at uh, different agencies where I was an entrepreneur. I basically started a division within the company that was uh, digital media, because at that time, it really wasn't, it was the Wild West. No one knew what influencers were going to do or if Facebook was going to be important or Instagram or whatnot. So I worked with so many Fortune 500 companies, um, like everyone from Hilton to Cheesecake Factory to Hyatt Four Seasons, uh, and I was able to develop a lot of the social media campaigns. We won a lot of awards. I traveled the world, stayed at amazing resorts that I could never afford <laughs> otherwise, um, and yeah, we did red carpet events, and uh, the Golden Globes was definitely a highlight of that career, wow. and so at that point, I was really filling my cup in the sense that I love content, I love creating, I love building something from nothing, I love building a team, but I was really missing out on that, how do you make an impact or a difference? I didn't really feel yeah. that I was doing that. So, and feel free to stop me at any point, no, but. No, keep going. <laughs> so I, I know this is something we've talked about, but I remember really distinctly being in a super fancy board meeting with, I I think it was Hilton, probably, and Hilton was one of our best clients. I loved working with them, and I just remember looking around and thinking, I don't want any of these jobs. Like, This is not my future. I don't think I would be happy in any of these jobs, and if you look in a room and no one is who you want to be, then you need to get in a different room. So at that point I really circled I want to be an entrepreneur but I think I have a lot to learn. I'm good at social media and marketing but I don't know anything about finance. I was a poli sci undergrad like <laughs> I've never opened Excel. Like I don't know. <laughs> I don't know any of that. And so I set my site on a top 10 MBA which is a really competitive process. I think a lot of the top schools only have a 1% acceptance rate. And wow. so I didn't really understand what a big endeavor that was going to be at the time, Um, and so I took the GMAT. I took it several times because you have to have really high scores, and um, yeah, simply you cannot get in unless you have a great GPA and great, you know, work experience and all these things, and so I somehow, with hope and a prayer, got into Berkeley, which is a top 10, and they're really top in entrepreneurship in specific, and so that was a moment, I think, where... Prior to that, I had had a lot of confidence issues, and like, could I really do this? Was I really someone that could have a vision? Could I, for whatever reason, that validation really helped my self-esteem, and I thought, okay, if Berkeley thinks I'm good enough to go into this program, I probably am. Um, And so while I was there, I was able to study at Yale. I did an exchange there. I went to Paris, and I studied at Essex, which is a top business school there, and I learned a lot about luxury fashion brands. So we had like the heads of LVMH and um, Burberry and all these great brands come in and talk about their strategies. And that's when I really fell in love with this idea of kind of scarcity and luxury and things like that. Um, And during that time, I built a company and it was an AI company. It basically created a neural network that matched influencers and brands at a dynamic price. So it would consider all the different attributes as to what makes a brand and an influencer a good match. As you know, I'm sure, and have seen on Vistaprint, just because somebody has 2 million followers, you could have them post and get zero conversions. And a conversion is usually a sale, but it could also be like a signing up for an email or whatever the goal is. And so I realized there was a huge opportunity in validating the right people for the right brands and finding a price that made sense for both sides, a fair price, kind of like how Uber has a dynamic price. So... Mm -hmm. We built that algorithm with a team. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> build it. I brought together a team. Uh, I got into Launch, which is an accelerator. Uh, we won second place at Demo Day, so I won money to actually start the company. And then I went to Techstars Blackstone program, which is another accelerator. continued to build this um, program. And basically, world shuts down 2020, and I realized there was... A myriad of problems with my life. One, I was doing everything I thought I should be doing but I was really unhappy. Two, I was meeting with venture capitalists who point blank sat me down and said, the way that you look is a problem and no one's ever going to believe in you. So as kind of a sidebar, um, venture capital is how People start companies like Uber. You need a lot of cash to build, especially in the tech space, and growth is a priority. So you need outside funding, and the venture capitalists decide who is funded and who's not funded. And only 2% of all venture capital goes to women. And there's so many reasons for that. but. I think a big part of it is that the people in the venture capital segmentation are often like disciples of PayPal, so they made a lot of money in kind of that era and likes, like, likes. So if I'm a man in my 40s and another man comes and pitches me a problem that I have Mm -hmm. personally, I'm going to see immediately that there's value in that and I'm going to want to pursue that. Um, There are tons of studies on other reasons that that might be. For instance, Harvard had a study that said, that venture capitalists basically change the types of questions that they ask to women founders versus male founders. So male founders, it's all about upside. So best case scenario, where does this go? How is this going? And with female founders, it's downside protection. So in the worst case scenario, how do you protect against X, Y, Z? And of course, if the line of questioning is all positive or all negative, you're going to have a different outcome. Right. So I don't think that it's necessarily like, oh, people are simply just against women or things like that. I think there's a lot of complex reasons that that happens. But suffice to say, my experience was so negative that I decided, one, I don't love tech. The main reason I'm pursuing tech is because Berkeley is all about tech. And if it's not tech, it's not interesting. And if it's not disruptive, it's not going to change the world. Then why even do it type of thing? And so I was also in a relationship at this time. I was living in New York. World shuts down. I come to Menden, Massachusetts to stay with my aunt for three months. And I'm so grateful. And not to say that a whole pandemic changed my life. Like Obviously, a lot of (laughs) negatives happened from that. But I just got back to... Who I was and my grounding and things that I really cared about. And I realized I was running the wrong company for me and I was in the wrong relationship for me. And I really wanted to be by my family. We have like 40 family members in inside of or in Boston and just outside of Boston. And so I basically on a whim kind of have a conversation with my dad. And I feel like I got this download for 1987. It was like one night I could not sleep. It's two AM. At this point, mind you, like. The other companies getting press, like we're on the, the roll. Like from an outside perspective, yeah. it would be absolutely insane to like not pursue this because you have this amazing chance and you have real traction here. And I kind of came up with the logo and the idea, and I sat down my with my dad, and I pulled up my laptop and I did a little pitch presentation. <laughs> and my dad just looks at me, he's like, "Hey, like if that's what you love, if that's what you want to do, go do it." And I so supportive yeah because everyone else in my life is like you're crazy like what are you doing um so I think that was another point of like validation that hey like if you're going to work your butt off in entrepreneurship it should be for something that you love and you enjoy Definitely. because if you love what you're doing it doesn't feel like work I'm sure with the podcast it feels that way you're just like I can't wait to wake up and record versus like oh I don't want to have this meeting or whatnot yeah. um So that was really where it all started. I moved to Boston, Uh, TikTok was exploding at that point and I came up with the idea of viral scavenger hunts, which was basically like running around Boston, hiding hoodies and having other people come and find it because it was a great way to interact with people while we were still in a lockdown situation and very grassroots and of course, there wasn't a lot of cost associated with it because I was self-funding the business, which is a really important distinction, I think, because of my uh, unfortunate conversations with venture capitalists. I really decided, hey, if no one else is going to believe in me, I'm going to build a company that I can afford to build myself. And clothing was the company that not only did I want to build, but I could build without without outside funding. So long story short, those scavenger hunts were super viral, we got like 8,000 views, 90,000 views on all of them. And again, I think it was, the platform was so early that pretty much anything you put up got some amount of views, but I think it was fun and entertaining and interactive and touched our core audience here in Boston. And that was, again, as a Boston-based, Boston-inspired brand, Really important. So um, from there, truthfully, we just kind of kicked off. And of course, we can get into like the mumbles and the yes. ups and downs in entrepreneurship, and every day is a little bit different. But, you know, I'm very fortunate to say that pretty much from day one, we had immediate traction, immediate interest. And I think Boston's a great place to start a company. And because not so many fashion brands are focused on Boston, yeah. people were so excited to see something kind of cool and new coming out of Boston.
1: There was so much in there. Oh my God, God, you took like seven lives.
0: (laughs) That's the point that stood out to me most. We always talk about there's so much pressure for you to know who you are, know what you want to do. And one day we wake up and we feel really strongly about this, but then the next we, we feel completely different or completely opposite from how we felt the day before. And we get in our heads and we're like, who are we? Who are we supposed to be? What does society want me to be? And you are like living proof that you can do whatever you set your mind to and whatever you feel like passionate about. And it's okay to be multi-dimensional and start something, be really successful at something, and then all of a sudden make up one day and say, this is not filling my cup the way that it should, so I'm gonna do something else. And when we were bringing you on, you're obviously someone that we look up to, but a lot of our other guests or our audiences, like we always question, we're like, I can't believe people listen to us in the, in the sense that like we don't know what we're doing. like we're, No we're one saying, does, we're literally. Talking, we're talking about how we're, we're trying to better our lives, and, and that's why I think our audience loves what we're doing so much because we're very relatable and we're very transparent in the fact that we don't know. And we understand that you also probably don't no. know, but also you've experienced more life than we have at this point, And clearly you've done a lot of different things. Um, and so when we were thinking about this episode, we were like, maybe she'd give us some advice for like, <laughs> yeah. if we'll get to it at the yeah. end, but like, what would you tell your someone, your younger self when you were in your twenties or anyone that's trying to navigate what they're supposed to be doing at this point in their lives? Yeah. I, w- I mean, I'm sure we can dive deeper
2: yeah. later, but I would say that everything is building blocks. For instance, if I hadn't mm-hmm. spent that time in my corporate career, I could never do the things that I'm doing today. And I'm sure it would have probably failed because I wouldn't know how to write an email or yes. I wouldn't understand social media and all the strategy that goes into it. And corporate social media is so different than influencer social media. And so I'm really grateful for each step of the way. But I remember when I was in it, I just had this like deep feeling of like I wasn't doing enough. I wasn't doing it fast enough. I wasn't pursuing the things that really were what I wanted to do when I was really living under other people's expectations. Mm-hmm. And it took me, I'm such a people pleaser, it took me so long to strive for my own validation versus others. And I think its it was just a process. And I, I don't think that I could have done it any faster than I did it. And I think everyone has their own journeys. And yeah. some people can also make a huge difference in corporate. So you don't necessarily have to go and be an entrepreneur. I think it's really... It's, dependent on each person mm-hmm. where you can make the most impact but I would just say like don't be so hard on yourself if I could look at my younger self I would probably give her a hug like, <laughs> it's all gonna work out but I'm also grateful that she continued to like strive and never give up and never compromise I think when you're in your 20s and 30s people stop learning they stop expanding because we're out of college we're out of school we're out of these like systems that allow us to learn and grow, and then we sort of settle for whatever is next and whatever track we're on, and to like pivot is a loss in the near term, but a gain in the future, and sometimes it's hard to weigh whether or not that's worth it. And yeah, of course there's risk. Like there were so many times that everyone in my life looked at me like you're crazy. For instance, when I left the corporate job to go into school, like I went from making tons of or not tons, but making money to spending money, right? Yeah. And
0: Oh my God. That would be so terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> to watch my bank accounts yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But it's an investment. Right. And,
2: and yeah. again, I don't well, think that right. 1987 would be successful without my MBA. So it it all just built on one thing after another and I'm grateful for each phase of my life because it allowed me to do what I'm doing now with a lot more ease.
0: I already feel at peace.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay so in your story I think I heard a couple of examples of where you may have experienced imposter syndrome and that's actually an episode topic that Court and I really want to get into because I think every young woman in their 20s experiences
0: this at some point. Every person. Always. Yes. Always.
1: Yes. But I did just actually take a course at school or not school. (laughs) My (laughs) corporate job. And uh, they did like a little workshop and they were like, well, good thing is only successful people have. I saw TikTok about two and they're like, yay. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But any like tips or how did you go about navigating that?
2: Yeah, I definitely really identify with that. I would say today I don't feel that way, so I think there's hope. <laughs> there is, like, a time for that, and and yes, it might vary, but I definitely think that over time it's become a lot less. I think for me, I felt it deeply. I never felt like I was smart enough, pretty enough, good enough at a baseline, and I think I was always striving for outside achievements to make myself feel good enough. Mm-hmm. And if your self-esteem or you don't feel like that inherent value in you just being, like both of you guys are good just sitting here, just being. Like you are enough, you're beautiful, you're loved. Like that's it. If you want to go off and do other things, that's great. But I didn't have that and I felt this huge need to like make up for what I perceived were internal downfalls and struggles and not being enough by outside accumulation of awards and whatnot and so I think that's part of it I think how I got through it was a few different ways you have to sort of fake it till you make it we've touched on this before literally no one knows what they're doing you I've sat down with like CEOs of every size company I can tell you they walk into problems every day that they have no idea how they're going to approach but they have problem solving skills they have people that can help them and Mm -hmm. they just figure it out So literally no one knows what they're doing, so we're all figuring it out. Um, And then secondarily, I did find moments that I was like, if I do this, I think I'll believe in myself a little bit more. So, for instance, the MBA was like, if I learn, I think I'm going to have more confidence in my abilities to run a company. Mm -hmm. You don't need an MBA to be an entrepreneur, but I think I needed an MBA because I needed some other outside source validating the fact that I was, like, smart enough, good enough. To pivot to do all these things because entrepreneurial failure rate is like 99% or something.
0: That's crazy. So. Well, that's terrifying. Yeah.
2: But <laughs> no. so I think like getting, deciding what you need to mm-hmm. feel confident in moving forward and also knowing that it's perfectly normal to not feel 100% like ready or okay. Yeah. You know, walking to this podcast, I'm like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> we'll see. It might be bad. It might be good. But again, just faking it, telling you, making it, ha- having that confidence and kind of that air that you are someone, you're going to be someone, and then people believe that you are someone, sort of that whole lucky girl syndrome that we see on TikTok. And then I think I did get to a point, probably like pretty recently, maybe six months ago, where I decided in my head that like I can do this, and I decided myself that 1987, whether we are you know 50 year company, 100 year company, we fail tomorrow, like I did it. I proved to myself that I could build a company, that I could you know build a community, that I could create something really valuable and interesting and new. And if that's as high as it goes, that's okay. But obviously there's the drive in me and the Aries side that really wants to keep going. But um, I didn't really need anyone to sit me down and say like, oh, you've done such a good job, which in the past I would have died for someone to like sit down and say, you're doing amazing. This is perfect. And although it's nice to hear now, of course, like it's always wonderful to hear a compliment. I don't really base what I'm doing off of other people's validation. And I think a huge part of that is you have to like, let go of the ego when you decide to do something that no one thinks you, A, can do or should do, because you don't get the validation in those periods, right? Yeah. I'm sure when you start your podcast, there are some, someone in your life is like, are you sure? Or yeah. like, yeah. podcasting is really hard, or like, <laughs> there's a lot of podcasts out there, right? There's always that person, and usually it's somebody that's close to us, and they're probably doing it out of protection. I certainly have that in my life, and I, I just had to stop caring. And I was like, you know, they're doing it, and and not think of them as... Well, they don't want me to succeed or they're evil like everyone has their own perspective and their own idea of safety and they're really saying that because they don't believe that they could do it right yeah. and they don't want you to fail and they don't want you to get hurt and so it's not so much about you in that way and um once you let that go and you're really just striving for your own like okay my own validation in a way i think that really helps with the imposter syndrome and i think that if you believe whether i fail or whatever, I'm still okay, then it's just more of a game and it's more fun versus like I'm basing my whole self and soul and value off of whether or not this company makes it. I also think it's probably easier for me to sit here and say that because 1987 is doing well, right? Yeah. If it was a failure, then I might have a different perspective. So I think there's some privilege built into that. But I, I definitely feel like if, if 1987, for whatever reason, sank tomorrow, I would... I would pick it up. I would figure it out. I'd start a different company. Yeah. We should probably talk about that at some point. <laughs> um, because I do have something oh on my, my sleeve.
1: Oh, Okay. But, yeah, we,
2: we can, we can – that will be, like, an Easter egg at some point. But Yay. I don't know if that helps or, like
1: – Yeah. No, that was amazing. I think it's just nice to hear from someone that kind of does play that big sister role a little bit, and you have accomplished so much. So even just knowing that you have those moments of – Oh my god, I don't know what's going on. Like I looking for external validation is I just think Yeah. Makes you feel good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I want to ask you about how you built that self-confidence and how you got to that point where you were like, I will be okay with myself regardless of the outcome or regardless of what other people think or say. Um, And I know that a big piece of your brand and the product launches that you've had recently have been about angel numbers and manifestations. I'm curious to know if you have any daily practices or if you have a relationship with manifestation or affirmations that have helped you build that muscle and be this person that has graduated from imposter syndrome. <laughs> to be fair, I'm sure there's yes. going to be
2: future events <laughs> that I walk course, into, and I'm course. like, I
0: don't know. But the fact that you're feeling stable yeah. is, is a win. Yeah. Stability <laughs> 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 is always great.
2: Um, yeah, I think I always struggle with how to talk about this conversation, because I, I know like faith and religion can be really polarizing. Yeah. So I'm just going to, for the context of the conversation, call it the universe. But if it's God, if it's yes. whatever you believe in, karma, et cetera, just take the universe as being that. So for me, when I had that whole COVID situation, I was with Lisa, who I would consider a spiritual expander. And so Lisa's my aunt, people always say that we look alike. She's lovely. And her husband, John, the the whole family, their daughters, everyone's amazing. And so I was able to sort of be in this beautiful family and feel like very loved, very secure, and also open to the idea of, spirituality or the universe or whatnot. And Lisa introduced me to the idea of angel numbers. I actually think I mentioned it to her because I was running on a treadmill because at COVID, you know, doing anything to like do anything. (laughs) I walked a marathon. I just did whatever I could.
1: Walked a marathon? (laughs) What does this girl not
2: do? (laughs) No, I mean, not well, I just did it, you know, (laughs) but basically I was running on the treadmill and I saw 777, 777, and I was like, why is that like sticking with me? I'd never really been interested in numbers. I would never really even thought about it. And my aunt was sitting with me and I was like, do you know anything about numbers? Like what they have meanings? And she introduced me to angel numbers, which if you're not familiar is basically the idea that different number sequences have different meanings. So for instance, like 444 is sending you support and 777 is like you're on the right path and luck, which is so interesting looking back because that's when I began to pivot And I'd have screenshots like during that time of seeing numbers and they are all like spooky at this point because I did go off pivot and go on what I think is my true direction. And so I think part of that self-confidence was like almost letting go and believing that there was something at play larger than myself. And if I was just leaning more with like my feminine side and my intuition and I was listening, although I felt crazy because I was like, these are just numbers. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Am I making my whole life decision off of like seeing a 777? Like that seems a little deranged. I do that. Yeah, (laughs) but I did. And so, yeah, I just started to kind of being more open and like doing meditation or prayer or whatever, you know, you identify with and I was just listening and really following what I wanted to do and not really questioning if I had like this moment of inspiration. I'd be like, all right, I'm not really sure why I have – that. And I'm not going to question it. I'm just going to act on it. And for instance, like the uh, scavenger hunts, I remember I ha- was still in my dating phase and I think I had been stood up or something. And I was like, I want to feel good. And immediately this idea of a scavenger hunt came into my mind. And I was like, well, I might as well do it. Like it's for other people. Probably maybe, you know, feel better to do something for others. And so I've just had these like moments where I'm like, did I even think of that? Or was that like, Sent. And it, yes, send downloads? Like, I don't know. Sometimes I do think that a lot of the best stuff we've done have been kind these like download moments. And whether you think that's more on an academic level, just like my subconscious working, or if you think that there's something bigger at play. But I think what I believe is that I have like a calling or a mission and that is to be a role model. And my way of doing that is to be a successful entrepreneur And show other women that's possible and then eventually help other women do the same thing right that's really where i see myself going and why i get up every morning because at the end of the day just making money or whatever that type of goal does not at least for me that's not going to motivate me past like four weeks of doing entrepreneurship because it's tough Um, so i think i also believe in this recently i was reading a book and it was talking about the idea of like multiple discoveries that the universe basically Nature, all nature wants is to create. They just want these new ideas to come into play. And to hedge their bets, they essentially give a few different people the same idea at the same time. So in scientific communities, I believe that's called like multiple discoveries that are happening at the same time. So like the genome or whatever, people are discovering that at the same time. And nature's way is like, hey, somebody's got to move this forward, but who has like that motivation to carry it forward? And so... I think of that too, like I'm surely not the only person that gets these downloads or whatever, but if I move through it, if I don't move through it, somebody else will, right? And there's a funny anecdote about Michael Jackson. He would like call his uh, manager at 4 a.m. and be like, fireflies, we need fireflies. And the manager's like, what? Like, hey, we can talk about this tomorrow. And he's like, no, if we don't do it, Prince will. (laughs) And so there's like so many examples of, or you kind of see these like two parallel people come up at the same time, like, Britney Spears and uh, Christina Aguilera, right? They're like very similar things happening at the same time. And you could just say that's the market shaping itself or things like that. And of course, I look at everything on an analytical and a spiritual perspective because you need both, I think what people get wrong about manifestation. Something I've gotten wrong with manifestation is like, I'm just going to put good vibes in the world and then it's going to happen. And then the world's like, yeah, but you have to like do Do something. something. (laughs) Write an email, make a call. Like I can't make you win the lottery if you don't buy a ticket. So that's, I think a huge part. But I think in terms of like daily practices, I wake up, I meditate. I try to do some sort of like gratitude list. I usually journal. Um, And I, I think a lot of it is just prayer or meditation during the day, take hot girl walks, you know, and I listen to podcasts, but sometimes I'll do just listening to nature, and I'll sit somewhere, and I'll really try to think, like, what do I need to be doing, and allow that idea to sort of come into me and in flow, and then I find if those, if I pursue those types of ideas, I tend to work out. I mean, of course, not always, like, I've had flops and things like that, but um, I think deep down, especially women and maybe men too. I can't speak to that, but um, we kind of know, like we know in our deep gut what's going to work, what's not going to work, and what leads us astray is other people's commentary, right? So So you might really want to do this one job, but your parents are like, but the other job is in Boston, and it's paid better, and and you're like, okay, I'll do the other job, and lo and behold, that's not the right choice for you. So I think sticking to your gut and also knowing that, like, something might serve for a season in your life doesn't mean that that's where you're married for the next hundred years. You can change your mind.
0: I love that.
1: Me too. I've never really heard someone vocalize the concept of, I don't know, there's this idea and like, so many people have it, but somebody has to carry it forward.
0: You're the first person that's going to, like, stick with me. I read a book called, I think it... This book was called Big Magic, where it just talks about how ideas are living things. Mm -hmm. And it talks a lot about that. But I want to know the book that you were referring to, because I am trying to get back into my reading era. And I love self development books. It's been, yeah, I know. I'm actually reading the Jay Shetty book right now, and I really like it. It's like Eight Ways to Love. Okay. That's like the only thing I can share. (laughs) That and Atomic Habits, which we talk about all the time. We'll have to put it in show notes, because I'm totally blanking the title right now. Yes, we will let's take it a step further with 1987. You've built community from the get-go through your scavenger hunts. How important has that been in taking you to where you are today, and do you have any tips for building a community through social media and through this mission-forward brand that you're building?
2: Yeah, for sure. I think, first of all, everyone's always striving, right, including myself, to build a better community, to have more engagement, and actually, I think that's something that you've done so well with Vista, and I think you've cultivated such a phenomenal community behind the brand that makes Vista Print come alive in a way that I don't think I would have really identified in the same way through a different program, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. So I think at the baseline is that your initial users, I'll call them, they're everything, because they're the ones that are going to tell their friends and really start getting that grassroots movement happening. So community is number one. I think you also need, and something that I'm working a lot on right now, is making the customer the hero of the journey. It's not about me being a founder anymore. I think that was like a fun element in the beginning, like had a breakup, I was selling hoodies out of my closet. (laughs) You know, we built a store from nothing. Like those are fun things to watch someone else go through. But now where I really want to turn it around and kind of professionalize the whole, Situation is how do we make the customer the hero? How do we make the community the hero? And I think one of the main things that we did early on that I think helps a lot is that we built investment in the uh, into the company by asking people what they wanted. We would have people vote on the colors, on the styles, what they wanted to see, what they didn't want to see, and I would actually listen. Right? I think yeah. so many times you get feedback to through a survey or whatnot through. Um, to, you know, Urban Outfitters or whatever it might be, and they never make that change. But I saw a huge opportunity in the fact that Instagram Stories allows you to connect directly with your community, ask them what they want. So instead of me sitting here trying to figure out what should I do waffles or blue or purple and... Well, just ask them, right? <laughs> so you sure. ha- yeah, you have a poll feature. I think that's something a lot of companies miss. It's instead of trying to create things, like ask people what they want, I do think there's a balance in that, right? Because people can't really, if we're in the dead of winter, they're not going to be thinking about summer and what they want in summer. So yeah. you're going to have to balance that a little bit. But I think that was, we democratized that process a lot. So instead of having a C-suite of individuals that are out of touch, this is something that I saw so much in my corporate career. I remember people just sitting oh down. God being like, social media doesn't matter, like da-da-da, we all know how that played out. Yes. <laughs> so, I really try to listen to younger people and the people who buy our products. So, I think that's number one. Um, I also try to give back as much as we can and try to do, we've done great branded free events together where people yeah. get tons of like swag and manifestation experience events. Um, the giveaways is a huge component of what we do. I think there's so many brands that won't give away a hoodie. I'm like, that's just, why not? Silly. Yeah, Silly. why not give back to the people? I do think. Uh, we're at this point where I really want to continue to make sure that we're listening to our consumers because if we stop doing that, I do believe that is a route to failure. So sometimes early on, you have to make decisions that support the survival of a business and you can't necessarily listen to feedback, for instance, like it could be a customer service thing or a return policy, something along those lines and you're like, I agree with you, but right now, that's just not something that we can do. So where I'm moving is finding those points that I know are pain points for our customers and removing them because now we're at the point where we're stable enough to professionalize all aspects and we don't have to worry so much about, are we gonna be here tomorrow? Cause that's really, that's season one of a business. Yeah. It's just like, let's make sure we can do this tomorrow. So I look forward to continuing to do that. And I think something that we wanna engage a lot more is to figure out like, although we have rewards programs and events and early access and things like that for, our customers, it's like, what else do they want from us? Like, do they want meditation on the stories? And people are always looking for more ways to interact with us. Like our DMs are stacked. People write us novels about, oh my God, I was wearing the Angel Never hoodie or whatever hoodie you look wicked good. I got stopped in the street, had an hour conversation, everyone was asking about it. And I think that goes back to the fact that they're unique pieces that you don't see a lot yeah. and they're they have their own stories that they're telling. Um, And people want a way to interact more. So anyone listening, if you have ideas on how we can interact and take what's happening so much in the DMs and put it somewhere else so that people can really, like, connect with each other. Yeah. Because I I do think coming out of the pandemic and in the pandemic, we would have messages like, your scavenger hunts are the only thing that get me out of bed in the morning because I've been having such a hard time. We were all in a dark period. We weren't seeing anyone. So although it's just a hoodie it's just a fashion company i think we've done a lot to like give people something to look forward to in a period of life that was not super
0: exciting i love that I, what i think about whenever i see you have a new drop day i'm like how do, have you not run out of ideas yet <laughs> the, how how much or how frequent is your cadence is it every friday you have a different yeah, drop we're trying to do That's it every friday sanity So, like, at that point, you need to look to your community to be like, what do you want to see? How do you keep it fresh and innovative? How do you do that? (laughs) Or even, like,
1: creativity in general, like, social media is such a huge role in owning 1987 and running that, like... It can be exhausting. Yeah. How do you keep the new creative ideas? Like, try this, not get discouraged. Just in general.
2: Yeah, definitely a team. Like, Sarah's done a great job on bringing new like design ideas or content ideas, and we have Caroline who's doing a lot of our social media right now, and right. she's just crushing it. Like, she created like four top one percent performing ads on TikTok, like through intuitive ideas, basically. Wow. So, I definitely think if you want to build a brand, you have to. It has to be bigger than you. So you have to bring on people that are super smart, that are super motivated, that have tons of ideas, and you have to like start building this team. So I think that's the biggest thing that I've learned is okay, I re- at the beginning wanted everything so tightly because I didn't want anything to go wrong. Yeah. But you in order to really scale, you have to give out, for instance, fulfillment and in the warehouse and customer service and events. <laughs> and content so so you yeah yeah yeah. manufacturing (laughs) right and there's you know lawyers and taxes and Delaware C Corp stuff there's so much that goes on so you have to build an ecosystem and if you fail to do that you will fail so that's been really hard for me truthfully to like let go of these different things because when you let it go inevitably it's going to go to someone who cares just a little bit less because it's not their company. So more mistakes happen. And I think I've just had to accept like sometimes a shipment will go wrong. Sometimes X, Y, Z goes wrong and that's okay. That's just part of it. You have to make it right with the customer to the best of ability, to the best of your ability, but things are going to happen. Yeah.
0: And in the essence of social media too, you do an amazing job on you're the face of the brand. Like you're always on the stories, you always share like a part of you as being a role model. So you're sharing what you're going through, what you're wearing today as the founder of 1987. I'm so curious because that is such a big chunk of who you are, how do you deal with balancing like and separating yourself from a company or do you find value in always being on and being attached to the brand? Like how do you navigate maintaining a healthy balance between you and your business, but also being that face for people to get attached and connected with to continue to invest in what you're building. I think Richard
2: Branson said it best when he said, it's not about like life balance, it's all life, like work. It's all, If you love what you do, work doesn't really feel like work. So if, don't get me wrong, there are some times that I'm doing certain tasks particularly financial, that I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this. (laughs) Um, But most of the time, I'm really happy to wake up and do what I want to do, and I want to share, and I want to do the content. And yes, of course, there is burnout, but I think for me, it's not so much segmenting out, okay, this is my job, this is my relationship, and I don't have kids, so That (laughs) that helps a lot. I think you have to segment when that's the case, but I'm definitely in a period of life where I just kind of, I don't really think of, like, Monday as a Monday or Sunday as a Sunday. I just think of, like, every day I take a little break, you know, I whether it's, like, a long shower or a long walk. I just try to build and balance in every single day, but I don't take away the work really any day. But I do think that there is like a sustainability factor that probably isn't there for the long, long haul. At some point, I will get super burnt out. And there are periods of time that I'm like tired, and I look like crap, and I don't really want to be on camera. And I think that just goes not to motivation, but to putting in systems that you're like, okay, well, today's a Saturday. We have a giveaway every Saturday. We have a launch every Friday. We have to post every Monday and Wednesday. If it's a Monday, Wednesday, Saturday, Friday, like something has to go up whether I like it or not. And I think that's when you lean more on your systems versus your motivation because motivation wanes.
1: Sounds like you're very much like a list girl.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I know, which is (laughs) like, yeah, (laughs) a hundred percent. I wouldn't know what way it was up without a list. (laughs) Also,
1: did you say you were an Aries?
2: So I'm a Virgo with Aries. Okay, I, per- I forget like my son. Yeah, so <laughs> but I definitely have always been like, I am a Virgo because I am detailed but yeah. I'm so German and I was like what is that and I found out it was an Aries I'm like oh okay that makes a lot of sense. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> are you into astrology as much as you are angel numbers? No
2: I don't know I know way more about like my signs yes. than I know about I others. Yeah so I'm we do smart. have the zodiac hoodie so basically the angel number hoodie on the front it says of the stars and then the zo- or sorry of the angels and then on the zodiac hoodie it says of the stars and on the back of that there's like a chart of all the zodiacs. And on the angel number hoodie, it's a chart of all the angel numbers. So those eventually will be even more collections, right, like of the X, whatever it might be. So we're yeah. building on those. But um, it's definitely, like, a huge interest in my, of mine, but I wouldn't be able to, like, sit here and be like, this is your this sun is rising <laughs> yeah. Yeah. are you guys really into it
1: no I got an astrology book right over there and I've read it once only to look up my son <laughs> <laughs> I love that you have a Virgil book too. That's awesome. oh yeah they so in seaport at the ICA yeah, they yeah. had a pop-up mm-hmm. there and he had an exhibit so we went and they were selling that book it was yeah. so fun I
2: actually went to it, it was really cool it, it was, was like so such cool a cool exhibit,
1: exhibit. Um, so you, I have a new rug here, but did you see, I don't know if you remember, they had like a rug exhibit and it said wet grass in like quotes and it's green and I okay. literally ordered it on Etsy. It's in the closet. <gasps> oh it. my God, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Cause
2: this thing was always like whatever it is in quotation. Yeah. Exactly. It's like yeah.
1: left, right, shoe, yeah. yeah. whatever. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Wait, I have one random question off yeah. of the angel numbers. Do you have a specific angel number that speaks to you? So the angel
2: number that I consider my life path number, the one that I see a lot is 44 and it has a lot to do with like achieving, manifesting, things like that. But I think angel numbers are more fluid because they're sent to you when you yes. need them. Yes. So I've been seeing 888 a lot. I'm like, great. So that's abundance. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully that's coming our way. Um, but I, I do think it's just a signal. So I have seen different numbers at different ports points in my life that yeah. correspond to what I like needed. Again, you could say, well, that's your subconscious like fil- filtering and seeing things. But if you see a license plate like four times, as AAA in a span of two minutes, I don't think that that's coincidence, personally. Yeah, yeah, totally. So yeah, I would say they're more fluid.
0: It's so funny. We've turned our boyfriends into like angel number people. Even if they don't necessarily believe in it, they'll, all day long they'll send us photos yeah. of angel numbers. <laughs> Also, going off of manifestation, do you have any manifestations for 1987 right now, whether it be a five-year goal, this month what you're trying to reach, and also personally and anything else you have going on in your life? Yeah.
2: I would say for 1987, my goal, my North Star, is always like to be the coolest brand in the world. That's... Just what I think, like Supreme, right? Yeah. Where you drop something, everybody wants it, secondary markets are crazy because people just want it so badly. That's really where I see the brand going, and I don't have an exact time horizon for that, but I think we're on our way. Uh, beyond that, I think you know there are different goals, like you want to get press pieces and things like that. But I would say that's like the overarching goal. And then something personally is that I'm actually launching a new business. <laughs> you get the exclusive. <laughs> uh, it's called Blink. And I feel like it doesn't do the brand justice if I don't have images, but basically it's really tapping into that inner child part of you. And it's instant coffee, which I did not know anything about until actually back to being at John and Lisa's house, they are not coffee drinkers, and I am a coffee must-have, cannot-survive <laughs> type of person, and so Relatable. they didn't have, like, all the accoutrements. They didn't have, like, the things that to make coffee, and so I started finding instant coffee and making it. I'm like, whoa, this is so easy. You can grab cold water or hot water, just add some coffee. It tastes exactly the same. It's delicious. way cheaper. I'm like, why are more people not doing this. And I know in Asia and Australia, it's a lot more common, but in the US market, you just kind of think of like folders and like gross, ugly branding. And you're like, that's not for me. So Blink is flavored instant coffee, So we have like almond croissant and chocolate orange and all these like really delectable, fun flavors, but no calories. And it's all about kind of that tapping into that inner child. We have a bear as the mascot, his name's Blank. They're like bright packages. If you look into, go into your CVS, and look at instant coffee, and you're going to be like, this is the ugliest sector. Yeah. So it's yeah. like, no one wants that. I'm like, this is such a huge opportunity. Like, why is no one playing here? And it's all about just tapping into that, like, really fine kid, like, making adulting fine. And on the back, there's, like, a joke. Like, I don't know if you remember Popsicles. Yeah. You would see, like, yeah. the joke. And so... There's a joke on all of them. On the bottom of the bag, there's like a bear with a funny mug that's like bear hugs or like better than honey. And each (laughs) of them is a little bit different. But it's just such a fun, playful brand. The price point is going to be so approachable. It's like $14 for 10 cups of coffee. And I think due to inflation, couldn't be a better time because this was probably $10, you know? <laughs> I went to Blue Bottle, and they are like, $9 plus a tip. I was like, so it's a $10 latte? <laughs> no, no thank yeah. you. So I think it, even if you still want to go out and grab your coffee, because I totally understand that ritual, it's just kind of balancing that budget a little bit, but not taking away any of the fun. So that's in production now. Um, I don't know how long it's going to take us to get to market, but oh, we should do a promo code for 1987 while we're here.
0: I would love Ooh. nothing more.
2: What about you can thirty for thirty percent off? <gasps> yes, love it. just remind me after yeah. before the episode goes live.
0: I will, I will. And once again, y'all need to be watching this episode so you can actually see, Ooh, see the amount of times Jen that I'm on a Zoom call with people when I'm wearing one of your hoodies, and they're like that looks buttery soft but they can see it through (laughs) like a shitty zoom screen I'm like you have no idea 1987 (laughs) check it out check it out (laughs) love the influencing right
1: (laughs) okay so we're gonna move into quickie questions I wasn't prepared to ask you this until I saw your beautiful glowing skin do you what's like your skincare routine or a product you cannot live without
2: Well, thank you, because I actually just recently got on tretinoin. Do you guys know what that is? Yeah, I'm on it right now. Okay. so
1: dry. So
2: (laughs) I'm like still in my ugly face, so thank you, but it's like called the tretinoin uglies, but um, I had always thought that that was more for acne, but it's also really great for anti-aging, and it gives your skin kind of that glow, so that's something that I really recently discovered that I'd never really thought about retinols, but I can already tell it's really changing my face, so I feel like it's definitely worth it. You could just have that in a low key moisturizer and be fine, yeah. but I'm definitely doing um, vitamin C. There's snail mucin. Um, yeah, that's a new thing. Yeah, right. Never heard of that. So, I do that at night to just, like, try to counteract all the dryness. I'm using Rode peptides. They actually sent me a bunch of stuff, which is Really? Nice. Yeah. Haley
0: Beavers? Don't <laughs> you send yeah. I know. In my yeah. DM, I was like, what?
2: <laughs> I was like, sure. They were like, we'll send you everything. That's awesome. Um, and then in the mornings, doing vitamin C and just as much, like, crazy moisture as I can.
1: Love it. Good. I'm going to listen back and order everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so you do live in Boston. You're Boston-based. Do you have a Boston rec? A number one restaurant, bar, anything, Cafe. Shop.
2: So I'm going to stick with the coffee theme. I love Flower Bakery, which I, I think a lot of people know, but their almond milk is locally sourced, and it is the best almond really? milk. So I get iced almond milk lattes. Otherwise, I'm totally an oat milk latte girl, so go check them out. Oh and goodness. they're female-founded, and they have, if you have the app, they give you rewards back so that's nice. perfect
0: perfect so that's the place that you'll be getting coffee from when you're not drinking Blink. yeah exactly <laughs> well blinks my first coffee yeah. flowers
2: my second exactly. coffee and blinks my third coffee
0: <laughs> <laughs> and maybe starbucks for my fourth oh my god we can certainly relate
1: um oh. okay another one i think you kind of mentioned this but is there one staple in your in your daily routine that you just cannot go without Maybe it's coffee, but yeah. anything
2: else? Definitely coffee, and then I do 10,000 steps a day. I'm kicking it up a little bit because I'm about to be married. Uh, J- June 3rd is coming up really fast. So I'm oh, my God, super- it's June 3rd? Yeah. Oh so love. I just think that has really helped my mental clarity, and it also just keeps me lean without really honestly having to try that hard, which wasn't my experience like prior to walking so much. So if you don't already do the hot girl walks, I would recommend it. Love
0: it. And speaking of, should we give – Jack and his business a
2: little show. Oh, out. yeah. So my fiancé, soon-to-be husband, is Jack McNamara, and he owns True. So we're two entrepreneurs, which is super funny. Um, they're at Drink True, and they're functional, sparkling waters. So they have, like, a beauty and a dream, and they're really good. So check them out.
0: Oh my God. I had one of the deepest sleeps after I drank his dream one time. I was like, what Whoa. is in this? <laughs> yes. Literally, what is it this? Yeah,
2: I have trouble sleeping, so dream's my favorite, but I think focus tastes the best.
0: Yes, yes. Final question is, where can everyone find you in 1987?
2: Yeah, so find me personally on TikTok. I'm the most active at Jen DeAngelis with two N's. And then 1987label on Instagram and TikTok and 1987label.com for our website. We launch our giveaways every Saturday and we have drops every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern. So be sure to be on the site a few minutes before so you can actually get the size that you want. Otherwise, it might be taken out of your cart. Um, and you can use that promo code, you you can, can 30, 30. <laughs> Thank you. I was like, I don't remember what I
0: said. <laughs> Jen, thank you so much for coming on. You are an inspiration. You really are living your truth of being that role model for other people, and just so grateful to know you and to be in Boston together.
2: Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for having me. Yay.
1: Yay. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. 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 <laughs> I like the wave. Bye. Bye.